Welcome to the Golf Bubble with your host, Ben Harvey. I'm a golf professional with a goal to bring you the best in online golf content. I get up close and personal with tour professionals, golf coaches, and the most interesting people that I can find that work in the golf industry. Follow me online at Ben Harvey Golf Performance, or you can even join us on our public Golf Bubble Facebook group. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Ben Harvey here from Ben Harvey Golf Performance. Well, I hope you've had a great week. Uh, I'm bringing you another guest straight away. I want to bring some fantastic content to you. And I've got another brilliant guest this week. Uh, this gentleman is extremely experienced. He's been around many different industries and has lots of experience in different areas of the game. As everybody knows, golf is not just about the technique, it's also about the mindset. So we've got some amazing stories coming to you uh, from my next guest. But before we get to that one, I just wanted to let everybody know that the podcast will soon have a subscriber section. So I'm going to be bringing to you uh, different private episodes, uh, which is only going to cost 49 pence per month to subscribe. And this is going to be bringing you mindset tips, uh, physical tips to help you improve your golf game. As everybody knows, mostly golf, I would say, is around 80% in your head and 20% the technique or the physical part of the game. For someone that used to struggle, like myself, in uh, the tournament sort of area of the game, I went on a, a journey to try and find as many different ways as I could to help take away the nerves on the golf course, help set your mind up in a much more effective way just to help you lower some scores. You know, if you can just get a good mindset and maybe take one or two strokes off your game as an average, you know, that's just a great starting point. Uh, you know, as a famous supermarket says, every little helps. So you can find me online at Ben Harvey Golf Performance. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and it's benharveygolfperformance.com. I provide online golf coaching and it's only £30 per month. That is unlimited golf coaching. You can join me on Golf Coach app. Uh, get in touch. You can send me an email on benharveygolf at icloud.com. Guys, I will speak to you on the other side. So here we go. This is our guest now and I will speak to you very shortly on the other side. Have a good one. So everybody, welcome to the Golf Bubble. I am so excited uh, for this one. I think this is going to be a great little chat. Uh, I've had a chat with this gentleman the other day, and uh, I tell you what, I only sent him a Facebook message to say hi. And next thing you know, next thing you know, you got a forty-minute conversation later. I, I, I couldn't get a word in edgeways, but. Um, <laughs> This week, uh, I'm really excited. I'm welcoming a brilliant guest. He is an advanced PGA professional, a neurolinguistic programming mindset coach, and extremely experienced in many different fields. But before we get to him, he's, he's worked with celebrities, tour players, amateurs. I, I'd be very surprised if he hasn't worked with animals. I mean, it seems to be like he's worked with everybody. Um, you know, for those of you that don't know neuro-linguistic programming, I'm sure we're going to get into that in, in a second. But um, I want to welcome Mark Arnold to the podcast. Mark, I, I feel like with all that experience, I should be saying Dr. Mark Arnold. What do you think? Sorry, I just missed that last bit, Ben. Sorry. That's okay. I said I feel like so with I, all the... I didn't hear that last question. Sorry. I feel like with all the experience that you've got, I should be saying Dr. Mark Arnold. <laughs> well... Maybe, yeah. I think I think a lot of the experience you get is you you get from um, 
investigating if you're curious you can find a lot of things out about a lot uh, you know a lot of areas and, and get sort of an expert level I think, I think the key is just to keep asking questions and you keep you, you keep learning that way um so I, you know so it's been a bit of a not the path of curiosity for me really sort of starting um with my own game i think when most people struggle with with their game you know you you either give up or you try and look for answers and um that sends you down different avenues and uh you know if you, if the further you get down one you, you seem to find more information out as well so i thought yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like the proverbial rabbit hole. And, and for those of you listening, if we do get some extra sounds, Mark, you're in a glorious place. I mean, for those of you that uh, if, I, if we do upload this onto YouTube, Mark is in uh, the beautiful country of uh, Brazil, aren't you, Mark? Yeah, yeah. We're in a place called Minas Gerais, um, a little town, uh, it's Piva, which is about, um, about two and a half hours, three hours drive from Sao Paulo. So we're out in the the countryside uh, we've got a little um little farm here banana stuff behind us and stuff like that but there is um uh like i think a lot, a lot of places the building's going crazy and there's lots of noises everywhere and we've got dogs and birds and all sorts of stuff here as well so uh we're sorry about that that's <laughs> all right well, it's definitely the most interesting place i think we've done a podcast so far i mean most of the time people are of because of the lockdowns and everything they've been in their houses and and that's pretty much about it so this is definitely the most interesting location to be doing a podcast so i love it you know we always like a yeah. little bit of uh something different to throw you off as i ask you these questions so um mark we're going to start right yeah. back to the beginning my friends um so you are currently based in watford but uh, I'm, I'm guessing you grew up in the London area because what I can find is you studied at the famous Harrow College. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Institute of Banking I was doing back then. So, um, yeah, the path into golf wasn't straight in. I um, left school, went to, uh, well, I went to go and work in the bank. It uh, was one of the first things I, I went to do. I had a bit of a bad back injury when I was... Uh, about sort of 15, 16, which sort of put paid to playing any golf at all for um, for a few years. And so I sort of, the, the golf thing wasn't really, uh, wasn't really considering it to be, to be fair. I, I loved playing, mm-hmm. um, still love playing, um, but I uh, didn't do it for about three, four years. So I thought, well, I need a proper job. Um, and with the grades, okay, that, that was the best option for, well, basically, you know, hard cash to be, to be brutally honest. Um, and part of that was, um, management trainee program and, and doing banking institute banking exams, which was uh, uh, which actually great. I've got some great pals from there that I, I still speak to today, and that is a very long time ago. Yeah, that's um, yeah deep in deep in history. I'm probably going to say maybe around the time I was born. Sorry, I'm probably going to say maybe around the time I was born. Maybe yeah. Well, everything was in black and white back then, Ben. <laughs> Oh my word! So uh, yeah, so that's that's where I sort of started, and then and then from there, did a couple of other jobs which I didn't really like either. Went into accountancy, um, did the accountancy exams, um, did a couple of years of those, and and hated it. And a, a friend of mine, um, far more um, sensible and uh, knowledgeable than me, suggested uh, to me that I hated what I was doing, which I, I sort of did. Um, and you know maybe to look at something else which was going to be a bit more rewarding so um they, uh, at the time well, i was about to, what 21 22 22 at the time um i thought well and he basically said to me well look you know why don't you give golf for guys well not 
you know, hadn't really played for four years or so. So I thought about it for, I thought, well, actually, yeah, no, I like people, I had no aspirations of playing, um, you know, on, on the telly. Um, it was really just sort of, I saw some other people that I, I played junior golf with who turned pro um, and thought, well, if they can do it, I was at least as good as um, some of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was possible. So saved up a bit of money, uh, gave myself a, a, a time frame of six months. So I saved up enough money. Basically, I had six months before my money uh, <laughs> ran out. Um, wow. So and before I left my my job, which was reasonably, you know, reasonably well paid, I just started practicing like crazy. Um, I was working for a printing company doing I was their accountant or assistant accountant. And I would literally drive down the M1 uh, during my lunch break, sort of uh, incriminating stuff now because it was you know, a bit illegal to do, uh, sandwich <laughs> in one hand, drink in another. Right. Uh, drive down to the, the driving range, uh, which was Stockwood Park, which is near uh, Luton Hoo Golf Club, which is a lovely course to go and uh, visit if you get a chance as well. Okay. Um, go and hit 40 balls, probably with no, nowhere near the le- level of intent and focus that I'd recommend everyone else doing. Um, but I did that for sort of three or four months just while I was saving my money up before I sort of quit my job and um, thought, right, okay, uh, six months, that's the time frame, that's the, that's the money frame as well. How am I going to do it? Put a plan together, um, started working with um, a couple of coaches um, who were really good, really helpful, got me on track. And also by seeing people regularly, um, as you know yourself as a coach, you actually get proper progress um because they see you're serious as well so you know i'd say mm-hmm. look no, i am going to go and practice uh, really hard um give me en- enough stuff to do for two weeks um and i think as a as a coach but also as a student i think if you have an honest conversation with your, your coach about where you want to get to um you'll find it very quickly whether they are the right coach for you and i, I had a fortunate to have uh, a luther blacklock as my one of my sort of early coaches um, sort of prior to turning pro um, okay. to get me back, back going again. Um, yeah, super knowledgeable guy. And uh, yeah, I went to him for probably a couple of years. Well, actually ended up going to him for a couple of years or so. Um, so funny enough. Swing into a decent place. We, we, we actually had Luther on the podcast uh, towards the middle of last year. And uh, Luther okay. is Luther's a good friend of uh, Alex Komen, who runs Orca Golf. I don't know if you know Alex at all. Um, I, I, I don't know Alex, but um, a, a very, very good friend of mine, um, Kevin Redfern, who's a um, master club, probably one of the t- his top half dozen club fitters in the world. Um, he actually does Orca, Orca clubs. So, okay. Um, I feel like I know him, but I don't, um, because Kevin's been doing Orca since sort of day day one. Um, and I, for the last 20, over 20 years, I, I've not touched a golf club in, in terms of uh, club repair. I've tried to stick to what I enjoy doing and, um, sure. and feel like I'm good at. And then everything which I'm not, um, I, there's other people who are better. I, I refer my, my clients uh, to them. And, and again, you know, in terms of, club stuff he's got all the tools he's doing it all day long and he loves it so um so what what uh, was it like working what was it like working with luther then because i mean he is a an incredibly knowledgeable man it's almost like he's the godfather one of the godfathers of of uk golf coaching if you really think about it yeah no he's uh i mean back at that sort of going back then i mean that would have been 91 92 i guess um Mm -hmm. that, that sort of time he probably had a bit more hair back then 
Yeah, uh, it wasn't as great. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and I was a lot thinner. Sorry, well. Luther, if you're listening um, to this but, one. Yeah, back, back then it was, um, I mean, we mainly really, to be, to be really honest, I, it was really getting some structure around what I was doing already. So I would say I had a, because I hit lots of golf balls before I went to go and see him, I got reasonable hand-eye coordination um, for golf. Rubbish at everything else. I mean, throwing a ball, I, I couldn't, I, yeah, I couldn't throw it ten yards. I mean, it's rubbish. But, um, but I had sort of reasonable, a reasonable eye for a ball, mm-hmm. um, but not necessarily the structure and the the process to get set correctly every time. And you know, right there from the basics of, of lining up properly, and um, so having a, a sort of a system we were probably i mean first probably three or four months was really getting the, the the system of getting set up perfectly every time um and that became you know a sort of let's say part of the pre-shot routine uh, to get f- feeling comfortable going right i'm in the best place i can possibly be mm-hmm. now all i need to do is turn and hit it so i, I wouldn't say we ever got and I, I know luther can get quite complex because he, he's, he's a advocate of the hogan uh book and yeah. you know, I think most pros have, have read it. Um, I think it's helpful for a coach. I'm, I'm not so sure as a student. I think there's um, there's bits which are I think over complex where, where they don't need it. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the other biggest challenge actually with the book, to be fair, isn't the book itself. The book's a great book. Is that uh, the way it is designed to be read and processed? And, and he actually says, you know, Hogan says it early on in the book, is you read chapter one, you go practice that until you're great at it. You get the grip, you get great at the grip. You work on that for three weeks or four weeks or a month or whatever, you know, whatever the time frame is. Sure. And then you do the next bit. And the problem is we're so um, surrounded by you know, information and everything's at a click of a button that we, I think, sometimes misinterpret um, information for skill. So okay. we read something. Oh, I know that. I mean, I, I get it all the time with, with clients and they go, oh, yeah, 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 I know that. I go, yeah, but you're not doing it. You know, it's like knowing it, but doing it yeah. is like doing it, you know. Um, and I think going through that process and, and say that I've not read, read an awful lot of golf books over the years. I've got a bit of a library at home. But um, it, it's how can you simplify it so, or match it a little bit that you can keep people's interest that, People don't want to go and practice the grip for six weeks. No. Um, you know, unless your n- name was Faldo, you know, back in the Ledbetter days, we'd go and do the same drill for you know, months on end. Sure. Most people haven't got that patience or, or that men- mentality or that mindset. And um, you, you have to, I think, it depends what level of playing you, you're working with, but you have, sure. to, you have to work with what really they're going to do, not what you'd like them to do, but what they're really going to do um, and what they can do. You know, and um, I, I think that's the that's a big thing. But Luther was brilliant. I, I, I you know, he's a, a, a super coach. Um, there's lots of super coaches. That I, I, what I'd like to do is actually go to. You know, I went to several different coaches, and it's it's nice to pick their brains. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough a couple of years later, I went and worked with uh, with Dennis Pugh um, on wow. my swing, and um, was also fortunate enough that I got to know him well enough that I sort of invited myself to a couple of his clinics that he was doing. So we did one in. Well, he did one. I, I, I went as the unpaid poor uh, <laughs> boy, but um, he did a coaching week out in uh, in, in Hamburg mm-hmm. uh, quite a few years ago now. And I just said to him, can, can I tag along? You know, if you don't mind picking up golf balls, I'm like, okay. So, you know, I had a 
video camera back then, which is again long. I mean, it was you know it was the size of a small suitcase back then, but it was uh, yeah. So Absolutely I set massive. up. I, I recorded. Um, I didn't record his students, but I would just in, in the intervals I'd go and sort of stand in front of the camera, and go right. This is what I learned from this and this and this, and it was quite interesting because uh, a lot of the players that he had were brand new to golf. There was a couple of good players, yeah, and it was real spectrum so actually watching him work with people who couldn't hit it through to people who could hit it um it was 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 quite fascinating uh, and so again go, go, so different kind of, style different technique so going into that one let's say for example you know back in the the vhs days um yes i mean i've i've heard back in the day you know i'm obviously i'm 32 so as a coach you know i still haven't really had that opportunity to uh, work with you know the old big cameras I was told to get it frame by frame they'd have to get the tape and they'd have to cut it up and then they'd have to watch it frame by frame was that something that people used to do yeah back in it the was day? well it wasn't great so I yeah so my first one was VHS and then I bought um it probably would have been 90 95 96 was the first of the digital cameras came out um, and I remember spending, and it was a fortune back then. Um, mm-hmm. It was something like two thousand seven hundred pounds on this Sony. Uh, set, it wasn't even the top one. It was it was, it was, it was near the top one, but it was uh, two thousand seven hundred quid on this no. uh, thing, which had the you know again, you did frame by frame, which is the main reason I bought it. But you were still looking through if you were on out on the range. Yeah, you you were looking through the viewfinder, which was like this. So tiny little square uh, box for, for, yeah it was even i mean literally it was it was just a viewfinder it didn't even have a fold-out screen oh my god uh, back then that that was a bit later so um we i mean going, having sort of worked with, with dennis on my game he had a you know and again high tech back then you know vhs camera you go into a little room this was at the warren um over in essex lovely little course and you'd stand in the room and it maybe was you know it was this tiny room it was like eight eight feet by 10 mirror uh mirror on one thing a massive tv but massive not massive screen but just massive depth as they were back then with the tubes yeah uh, and the high-tech stuff was a pen uh, on the screen with a ruler uh, that was that was your plane lines and everything else but wow um it gave me an insight and a sofa to sit, sit down and, and do some drills and some little half clubs so when i went to my first sort of real coaching job um Basically, I set up, a, I sort of took over an empty empty office that wasn't being used at the driving range, mm-hmm. um, chucked a couple of sofas in there, chucked a telly in there, and um, it, we walked it from one to, you know, from the range out, you know, into, inside, viewed stuff, which I found very helpful. I think I think that's really useful if you can view stuff away from the the hot zone of, the, of, of where the ball is. Um, yep. People are a bit more focused. And it's easier to get heard, you know, and, and, and listen to and, and get your exp- explanation across. I think the challenge on the range sometimes is people are so eager to get hitting balls. Oh, yeah, I got that. I got that. Yeah, yeah, let me try that. It's like, no, no, let's just go and rehearse it 20, 30 times. Let's do it in mm-hmm. front of the mirror. Let's video you doing it in front of the mirror to see whether you've got it right. Does that look better than before? Yeah. Now we're going to check it. Yeah. Um, and now, now we're going to test it. And I think that's... Um, uh, that's, that doesn't uh, say whether it's swing technique or you know the mental stuff again you, you need to test stuff to see whether it's um it's really working or not or whether people are on the right track um because you know as, as a coach you, you get 
people on the right track, but it doesn't mean they've got it. You just want to make sure that you've, when they've left you, mm. they're going to practice correctly, I guess. So you next time you're not giving them the same lesson again, which is no fun for, for either of you. No, I think that was something that uh, Luther said that, um, you know, Butch always used to say to him that, you know, the first 10 minutes really was the, the, the lesson, but the next, you know, 50 minutes was definitely going to be the babysitting section of it. You know, really most yeah. golf lessons last 15 minutes, the actual lesson aspect, but you know, the next 45, yeah. 50 minutes is really like you say, checking that they don't just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got that. I've got that. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's slow this down. Have you actually yeah. got it? Let's go in slow motion first. Let's actually get the feels in. Um, and, and I find that really interesting. And going into the mindset, you know, it's something that you don't just do a mindset technique once and then suddenly you yes. find that, you, that you've got it. So going into the mindset, where did that all start for you? You know, where did that become a passion? Did you kind of lose the passion for the technique? Well, I'm just going to step inside, Ben, just because it might be a bit quiet. I might be hearing it better. Sorry, can you repeat that? So. Yeah. So in terms of the, uh, you know, the mindset part, you know, of the coaching, did you take on the mindset part purely because you found that you, you kind right. of lost interest in, in the technical side or is it just because something just turned up? Um, so what, what did I get into? I, well, I say so initially, I, I think my both, both are, are vitally important. Um, the, you, I, Having a great mindset and terrible techniques not gonna not gonna help you much, um, you know. So you can be as confident as you like, but if you're doing it badly, if you're swinging the club badly, uh, it doesn't it doesn't make things much better. Yeah, you know, it's like so so being confident on its own because um, we go oh it's all about confidence. It's not really about confidence. It, it's uh, a bunch more stuff. So it's like if you think you can hit it, if you feel confident, hit it three hundred yards over water, but you know. To 250 you're, you're going to get a lot of wet golf balls you know so um <laughs> and you know, until that confidence gets denser you get you get a little bit realistic so um i think it for me it was about mainly about confidence and relaxation and trying to get into the right um i suppose the same state or same zone that when i play golf with my friends and play well or play practice rounds and play well versus uh you know stepping out onto the onto a, a the course with a card in hand playing a tournament um, and for me, that was my start. My rule, the mental side really for me was, you know, I was just terrible <laughs> in playing competition. So I would just, you know, just go to pieces. And, it, you know, I'd play, uh, we, we had a conversation the other day, but there'd be 10, 12 shots difference between practice round, which would be, you know, decent and around par or a little bit better or a little bit, yeah, but around that figure. And then I'd go out the next day and I'd shoot uh, mid 80s and it would be a, a regular thing. And I thought, well, okay. So my initial thought was, you're not played enough tournament golf. You know, that's a logical conclusion. It's like, well, that's a, so then, you know, I, I mean, I, I actually, again, to, because you couldn't get in that many events, um, I entered everything I possibly could, but there still wasn't enough. I was still going through the pattern. Yeah. So at the time um, there was a little Middlesex um, pros league that I, I was playing, I played in. And I, I said to the organizer, I said, well, how many, how many pros do you need to get to, um, actually make an event and it was something like eight or well, the pj so that was eight or ten pros so i went okay so i actually started um just to get some events for me to play in um the middlesex assistance tournaments um okay and again this was uh and it actually didn't help <laughs> i mean a lot of fun <laughs> organizing them turning up playing it but it didn't really help so um 
bit of the end of the tether, that's when I sort of went to go and see Dennis. I thought, well, I'll go and see the best coach that I've, I've heard of. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine was, um, was, was working with him on his game. Uh, got a chap with Jason Hall, who uh, just since actually recently left um, the Wizzy. He was director of golf there for 20 years, but a good friend of uh-huh. mine. Um, and so I went to go and see Dennis. Did a bunch of work with Dennis. That really did help, but still had the same you know, basic issues of, um, of confidence. So then I went and saw a hypnotist. That was the, the first journey into anything, which was other than technical stuff. Um, Talk to me about that. Who, who did you go? First and, who did you go and see? Um, sorry, I didn't hear. Who, who did you go and see for that? I can't hear you at all. Sorry, say that again, Ben. Sorry, everybody. He's having some uh, technical issues. Um, who, who did you go and see for the uh, the hypnotist? Um, it, it was just a low. I'm it was a local guy. It was some very. Um, uh, it was an old guy, probably no longer with us because it is such a long time ago. Um, it was the Institute of Clinical Hypnosis, I think, was his was his his business title. Um, you know, and actually, I've still got the tape uh, on on audio cassette, uh, which is I found in the desk the other day. I was moving some bits and pieces around, and um, still got the original uh, cassette. And um, it was, um, yeah, it, it it just transformed what I was doing into not worrying about it. And the, the very next round was uh, was decent it wasn't it wasn't under par but it was a couple over par but it was a, such a huge quantum shift from where i'd been for for months and months it was like oh okay then the second session uh, I, I had with him it, i went out and shot i think 71 uh, 72 level par one under some other mm-hmm. um picked up some money so that was nice um because i've been paying money out for you know <laughs> two years yeah um and then uh did a couple more sessions and actually had a decent, you know, brought my stroke rate average right down, um, had a couple of decent finishes, just in local, um, you know, Hertfordshire-based events and things. But um, it was uh, just a very quick change. And I'm like, oh, that's that's quite interesting. Um, for me, once I've got my playing card out the way, which was part of the, re- you know, the, the pressure bit was we need to, you know, pass your playing ability to... Uh, to, to get your scores, to get your exams. Um, I was like, well, actually, I, I love playing. I'm just going to carry on doing what I love doing because I'm not, I'm not going to be going out and shooting 465s and, and picking up big money. No. Um, and for me, I, I think you have to be, you have to make that as a decision. If you want to be a tour player, you have to, there are, you know, there is a price to be paid or there's a big price to be paid. You know, you have to invest a ton of time uh, you have to change you know, who you see when you see them mm-hmm. uh what you everything else and that really wasn't me i was more about well people and uh and helping so um that was the first bit and then i then sort of stumbled across a few other things like sort of tony robbins um a few years later and paul mckenna uh, the, the hypnotist and, and richard bander the founder of nlp were doing a seminar and i sort of signed myself up um, for that I'd read Tony Robbins's book Unlimited Power mm-hmm. um, I'd seen Dennis actually had it when we went to Germany he actually had a copy of that um, in his uh, briefcase uh, that he was reading um, okay. on, on the plane yeah and I was like oh okay so I, I noticed you know, I'd, I'd seen the book at that stage got the tapes uh, we talked about the other day you, you'd done the same the thing personal power tapes yeah um, really really helpful and just and some very simple I mean it's not I think people think it's 
you know, it's all difficult. And actually, a lot of it isn't. Right. It's just that people, you know, people, once you've got ingrained habits of thinking, then, you know, unless you change them, it's, it's like a, a groove on a record. It's just going to keep playing the same, the same tune every time unless you move the needle. Yeah. Um, and there are a bunch of tools, certainly with NLP. NLP. I mean, NLP and hypnosis actually are completely interlinked. They're, 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 there's the tools of NLP. Um, hypnosis is a great delivery system for them. Um, but a lot of stuff in NLP, visualization and stuff, um, you're doing eyes closed processes. Well, well, to me, that's that's hypnosis if you're doing it with the right language patterns. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, went and did some stuff with, with Paul McKenna, and um, that was the NLP, started the NLP journey with him. Again, thought, um, you know, you want to try and learn anything you do, try and learn from the, the people who are best at it. Um, oh, definitely, yeah. Been, been there and done it. Um, because um, and then, you know, you're just going to gain insights that you just don't get. They've worked through all the issues. They've, they've streamlined everything mm -hmm. so that you, you know, it's like you're given, you're given a golf lesson. You've put the hours in um, and you've known what works and what hasn't. So that a pupil comes along, you're saving them months and months and months or years on their journey to get to where they want to get to because you've got the knowledge of what not to do as much as what to do. Um, and by going, oh, just try that, give that a go. And they go, oh, that really works. Um, you send them down, you, again, you've moved that needle across. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's the, the next next bit of it. And I, I find that bit, I'm still, I'm, I'm actually, last two years uh, with lockdown, I've been using the McKenna stuff for years, but I, I sort of discovered another chap called Mike Mandel, um, who's a hypnotist in, in Canada, um, does a great mm -hmm. training system. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of an investment. But I thought, well, it's good to try and you know, I, I always try and learn either two new things a year or revisit some stuff um, and and re just get better at it because you forget. You know, and you've, I'm sure you found it on the course as well. You, you you suddenly think, oh, I didn't I didn't focus on that. I didn't pick a target on that. Mm -hmm. I know this stuff. I teach this stuff. I wasn't doing it because we're, we're not. We don't get a special badge when you get your <laughs> pros badge or your, your your mind coach badge to go. Okay, I don't need to do any work anymore. You know, I know, I know everything. It's do. fine. Yeah, fine. Yeah, it's it, it and it and it, it isn't. And um, so yeah, I'm sort of re refreshing that. I did a, I got my Audible thing through the other day. I think in about it was something like 300 hours in Audible last year, um, which was all training stuff, um, which was significant. I put stuff in the car every time I'm going anywhere. It's on. I, I rarely listen to music. It's what can I learn? How can I make this 30 minutes the most valuable that I can? Um, so, you know, do I want to listen to the same eight songs that get replay, you know, replayed on repeat on certain radio stations, um, plus some bad news, because they always put bad news on the news, um, mm -hmm. or do I want to listen to something which might be a little bit more useful um, and, and remind myself, which is a great word, actually, you remind things by just listening to them again. So, that reminds um, me of something very yeah. interesting that uh, Darren Hardy once said that, you know, the amount of time that we spend in our cars, that our cars become our university. You know, you could do yes. a university degree in the car. Um, and, and yeah. speaking, of, speaking of moving the needle, then, when, when did the needle move for you? Who was your sort of big break client or someone that you started working with? Um, I think in terms of the the mind stuff and, and making it as a decision, it was it was it was 
a combination of, I think it was not one moment. Sometimes it's, you love that. Most times it's one moment. I think for me, it was a, a collection, a culmination of a few things. So I think it was um, the, the Tony Robbins books and tapes and uh, that, that I listened to was a good setup, good start. Um, I then sort of went into all the, uh, the other related stuff in around that, whether it was Napoleon Hill, Dale Carnegie, uh, you know, Think and Grow Rich, all these things, Richest Man in Babylon, and some, again, hundreds of those types of books, mm-hmm. um, which are, are all success books, they're all mind books, they're all coaching books. They're, they're, some of them are geared as being business, but, you know, business is a, a pe- run by people and people's mindset affects the decisions they make. So um, I think then the, the big one from a going and doing it um, more overtly and, and making it a, a thing was doing the, the McKenna course and you know doing the practitioner and then the master practitioner and then the trainer um, and then the hypnosis course with Paul um, was that when I launched my sort of my uh, I did an indoor business in which we launched in or launched with a couple of pals of mine in 2000 um, which was fitness uh, technique and it was all the latest tech stuff available at the time so mm-hmm. simulation um, we had indoor putting green, outdoor putting green, indoor practice bunker, um, some fitness equipment from the States. Um, and then I was just, so it was actually built as being mindset. It was basically physique, technique, and mental, you know, mental training was the, was on our, the, the very, very first stuff that went out. So, and I had a little room there to um, go and see people in. And I, I think that's the, the key thing, I, I was talking to someone the other day about this, uh, literally yesterday here from Brazil, um, another, another golf pro contacted me and said, oh, can you come and, can you come and do this on our, you know, another, another podcast? And I went, can we come and see you? And I said, well, it doesn't really work like that. I said, because part of it is actually um, managing the environment, you know, you, the environment that you're in. So that the whole purpose, I think, of coaching, whether it's mental coaching or physical coaching, is you've got to have per- the person in the right state first. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not in the right state, most people are, are in the right state, not the, not the right state to yeah. learn. So if you, I noticed um, when people used to come in the evening for, for coaching with myself or the coaches I had, um, the, you know, they're, they're stressed out. They've just got off the train. They've been at work all day. They're mm-hmm. stressed out. So if you try to give a, a lesson to somebody in that state, it's pretty pointless. You know, they're paying you a ton of money for, for you to help them. And actually you're spending the first, 20 minutes of your 45 minute session de-stressing them yeah so um we did some or i did some sort of sneaky things which which sort of to help without um without them knowing they were being helped so i had some um i had some uh paul mckenna music playing in the background all of the time at the studio what whilst you were coaching whilst coaching yeah yeah no way Um, so, um, so there's some. Well, it's actually it's actually Richard Bandler's music, but um, it's um, yeah, called the twingly twangly stuff that you you hear in the background of every every. Uh, but but um, I had that playing on. We'd we'd use um, certain scents um, and uh, you know like aromatherapy stuff. Okay. So people come in and and it was it was quite funny because I obviously I knew the seat. It's like the magician knowing the trick, and they didn't. They come and go. Oh, I've had such a bad day at work. I wasn't expecting to, but I feel. I feel really relaxed now. And I go, right, let's go and let's go and let's do some swings. Let's get you feeling good. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, uh, and, and, and try and again from the NLP stuff, actually anchor that as a feeling. So you go, right, okay, mm-hmm. great. Now tap on the shoulder. 
right, you feel good, good. Okay, let's, uh, let's get to work and notice how quickly you can change. Um, and so, yeah, so I, towards my swing coaching, um, and it's just to say, it's been, uh, that was the first, I'll start to introduce it there to first with, uh, was the language patterns of hypnosis you can use everywhere. And actually everything is, people go, well, what is it? You know, it's people got this, the old view of the Paul McKenna stage show and people walk around like chickens and all that nonsense. <laughs> and actually um, it's about communication efficiently, you know, and okay. it's, um, uh, it's uh, so you can actually buy, using patterns of language and again you'll do this in your coaching you'll do this a lot of it you'll do naturally mm-hmm. without you realizing you're doing it but once you've got the structure for it sometimes like i used to find this in my coaching pre pre-hypnosis i would say the knowledge would be i'd do something and it would really work and then i'd see somebody else and it and it wouldn't work and i would i'd go well, well that worked with john why didn't it work with fred you know and I'd, well okay i didn't use the same language patterns i was you know it was a random thing um and I hadn't focused on getting them in the right state, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so getting them into that learning state, which is best for them. And then communicating the knowledge in the right way for, um, for them to hear, you know, to, to, to hear it properly. Um, so kind so, of looking, looking into that then, who, who would you say is, uh, you know, any interesting people that, or, or, or maybe celebrities or, you know, random things that you've had to do over the years. Can you think of any stories that were quite odd or really stood out to you that you might have had to well, think outside yeah, we'll the box? Yeah, one the other. I won't, I won't reveal the name, but we, we spoke about this the other day. But I, I had one chap. Um, it, so it, the story began, began because I was teaching a lady um, uh, golf and, and she was doing quite well. Then she, had a, she actually had a skiing accident and I ended up doing some uh, hypnotherapy for her to get over her phobia of skiing. She basically was sort of terrified going down the slopes again. She loved it. Oh, wow. Was, so, so, and if you're, if you're stressed and tight going, going down a, a ski slope, you're probably going to have a, it's not going to work for you. You're going to come a cropper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did some work with her. Then her husband came to see me for his tennis. So it was all yeah, random non-golf stuff. Right. Um, and I did some work with him based around the Tony Robbins stuff and you know, doing some physio- physiology stuff, breathing and um, doing a bit of a Superman walk and getting you know, good endorphins going and good feelings going and just sort of a power walk. And the science has now caught up, actually. So there are some really interesting science uh, studies that have been pulled out over the last five or six years. I mean, this was, we're talking this is 20 years ago nearly, sure. um, where you know, they actually can measure all of the levels of adrenaline and everything all all changing just by just by actually walking differently and wow. uh, standing differently breathing stuff so um so then his doubles partner now so he started playing his tennis was better his doubles partner um who's quite a well-known um musician and mm-hmm. um had a habit of breaking a lot of rackets in his um in his tennis matches and he came okay. to see a lovely guy um in the rock in the rock old old style rocker um we turned up and i had a i booked a room i thought well, i won't do this at, the, at um at the club i was at i'll choose more part which is a super course just down the road from uh, where i live but it's one that's you know it's a, it's a very prestigious a little bit old-fashioned although they have modernized them but back then it was definitely old-fashioned so mm-hmm. um i've booked a room because i had these little conference rooms you could rent and uh, he got there before me uh which did startle the um uh, the, the lady on the reception who was about 80 uh, and was used to seeing you know 
golfers dressed a certain attire, you know, let's say. <laughs> um, and he rolls in with a full-length leather leather coat on, uh, trench, trench coat on. Oh, my God. Earring, long hair, uh, ripped jeans and, and cowboy boots on. Wow. Uh, so she nearly died. Then I got a phone call literally saying, come to see her i said yeah i'm just gonna get i'm there we've got a room i'll move out of the way i did the session with a lovely guy um and he sort of said to me oh, i've just got a bit of a problem no one wants to play with me and i went oh why's that he said, i'll go through about four or five rackets in a in a match and i'm again oh, oh yeah match. that's that's not going to help is it you know it's like go go figure a lot of it's not that difficult go, well, have you ever thought about not doing that yeah well so i did some work with him and that was and that was 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 great that within if you're doing it, if you get the right buttons, a lot of the time you can fix things really quickly. It's like one session. So mm-hmm. to, to stop him breaking rackets was one, you know, was one session, changed his routine. Wow. They went on, him and his partner who'd been re- referred previously went on to win the doubles in their, uh, the club that they were at, which is quite a big, um, big David Lloyd club. Okay. They won that. They'd never been past the, the last 16 uh, before. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they won that. And then at, the cool bit was I then got a phone call going, right, we've got World Tour coming up. Um, we're traveling in a, you know, we're all traveling around together. And, um, you know, it, it's a bit, we've been doing it for years. I mean, they've been doing it for like, you know, years and years because it's a bit stressful, you know, in the one, you know, it's just, it's actually, it's a really toxic environment, you know, mm-hmm. so, and we're doing it for six months, you know, you're going around, you know, literally World Tour. So, um, so I said, anything you can do to help us with that? So I did two things. One was some of the interband politics and people trying to wind people up on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some stuff to rewire what would happen. So if somebody did something rather than getting un- annoyed or upset or frustrated that um, he knew the reasons behind what they were doing. And we sort of almost, we programmed in a, an alternative response, which, which A, made him feel better and yeah. B, stop the behavior because you know, this the other chap um you know we've been doing this this dominating ego driven lead singer thing that some bands have uh for years to prompt responses and it's like um you know it's an ego thing so once you actually change the response the, the meaning of what he was doing he sort of stopped doing it which was which was great mm-hmm. and then the second bit we did um so that was i think that was the first tour and then they did another tour the next year. I mean, tour nearly every year, well, apart from the COVID years. But um, he said, "Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not really enjoying it," and I, and I, because he got us into a routine. Now, you find this with a lot of um, whether it's sports, sports uh, people, whether it's um, whether it's musicians, whether it's actors. You know, people are in sort of these sort of roles. People have rituals and and habits that they've done for years, mm-hmm. and they're never questioned. So um, he would go into um, quite a dark place mentally for a week or so when they're doing the rehearsals. So turn in, I mean, he's a lovely guy, but turn into somebody who wasn't, you know, sometimes you need an alter ego, which is horrible. You know, if you're yeah. going to be a UFC fighter or you're going to be a, you know, you're, you're, you're heavyweight boxer. Um, Anthony Joshua talks about it. He's, it not it got too nice um right. in between his other stuff you know um and, and for this guy you know he got he got into this pattern of actually doing it when it wasn't needed and i sort of said well okay well how's that make you feel well, I, f- I feel a bit shit to be honest I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> so have you let, let's look at what you know what the options are you know so because 
clearly it's that's not working. I know you've been doing it for you know literally years and years. I said, but um, we fixed your tennis. We can fix this. This is this is easy. This is actually really, we fixed the relationship thing with it. This is going to be easy. So um, it's a great that, and that's a great pre-frame as a coach, any coach, um, whether it's a swing coach for golf or mindset. If you if you believe it's going to be easy, and you get your clients to believe it's going to be easy, it's going to be easy. Um, if you okay. think if you think change is going to be hard and difficult and take years, it will, because you'll look for reasons for it. To, you know, you'll look for where it's not working. Yeah, and you'll look to notice not what you're improving, but you'll 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 actually look at everything else. So um, yeah, we did so, so we did some what we changed his routine. I said, look, well, you you traveled every country in, virtually in the world with where there's well where there's people. Um, you've travelled and performed, but you've not seen half of them. I said, "Look, you can afford it, and they, and they could afford it. Um, mm-hmm. Why don't you? Why don't you go and stay not in the same hotel? Oh, we've never done that before. The band, you know, the manager organised it. Well, yeah, but you're a big boy now, um, and you have been for years. It's a lot longer <laughs> than me. I said, yeah. uh, you, you ever thought that that's an option? Oh no, we never really thought about that. Okay, well, why don't you a book another hotel? B Rather than going into a moody, dark place for a thing, why don't you go do some sightseeing? Why don't you bring your family? Um, oh, and they've done that. So um, I did about four tours with them, and I, I love it. I mean, funny enough, they were, they were doing a tour. The last uh, chat I had, uh, which was pre-COVID, I've, got a, so I've not seen him for a few years now, mm-hmm. um, but actually it's quite nice. I'm, I'm, sort of, I'm glad in a way, although it'd be quite nice to go and do some more work with him. But sure. um, he rang me, and they, and they were touring Brazil, where I am now. Um, oh, they're doing a South American tour, and he was in Brazil, and they're in Sa- and they were in San Paulo, which is a couple of hours down the road. And he, and he said, "Look, um, I was oh, well, you know, what's up?" He said, "Nothing. I just wanted to tell you it's going great. Uh, it's going great. We're having a fantastic time. I want to see. Da, 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 da. We're going to go down. You know, we're going to go down to there. Then we're going to fly up to the rainforest, and then I'm going to join the rest of the band uh, late, you know, later on on the next leg." Wow. Uh, just want to say thanks. I was like, "Wow, you know, to be honest, that was worth." That was worth, yeah. That was that was worth everything, really. Um, it's, it's kind of what we do it for, isn't it? You know, when you get those sort of responses, that's really kind of why we do the jobs that we do, because you ultimately just want to know that whether it's a, a, a tiny little shift or if it's a big shift, it's uh, yeah. it, it, it means the same for either. Um, what going into that, then, you, you know, looking at maybe golfers or, or tour players, is there any particular? situation or any particular events where you can imagine uh, you know you can remember working with a particular person where you know they were maybe having a real tough time and and made such a quick transition and suddenly started playing great have you got anything that you can remember over the years that where that happened yeah well fortunately (laughs) fortunately it's happened a few times uh, okay which is why which is why i'm still in the job um (laughs) I think, uh, I mean, the first one, I think the first one I went out on a tour was, uh, which was in 2004, five, I guess, but I don't know, 2005, um, you know, a friend of mine had been struggling and missed a whole bunch of cuts. Um, I, I think I'd made a cut in about nine weeks or whatever. It was really any money at all. And um, he, he used to come and hit some balls in my studio a bit and we got chatting and I said, look, I, I think I can help you um he's well okay but yeah he was it financially i think having gone through that, that lean time it was um it, it was sort of to pay for me to go across to you know the first tour which was russia and then pay for his caddy and everything else was 
I said, well, look, I'll tell you what I do. Let's do a couple of sessions, do a session in the studio. Um, I said, but let's go and fix it while you're out there. Yeah, because, you know, one session, we've been struggling for a, a while. Let's go and just go out there. So um, I went out to, uh, what? could be children back here. So I might, I might have, a, might have a, little, a little interrupt. Um, no worries. So, yeah, we went, I went out to work with him. I, I did some um, hypnosis stuff, relaxation stuff. Um, in the hotel uh, the evening before the tournament. Um, I ended up carrying the bags doing two jobs at the same time um, yeah. and, and learned how heavy those bags really are. And they are <laughs> proper heavy. Proper heavy. Um, so the world's going to go nuts in it. Do as you probably hear these dogs going crazy. The world's imploded. And yeah, he went, uh, basically we, we did session before I did some colour bits on the range with him, which were um, not so much swing related. They weren't swing related. I'm not trying to change anything, but I just got him to do real, really simple drill that I, I know a lot of people use, and I've used it for years. Which just you know, hold hold the photo finish. Well, what would your best swing look like? Yeah. If you did your best swing, what would it look like? Um, and basically, just go do that, and then and pose like you've just done your best swing, and that does you know a couple of things. One, it it just gets you external gets you outside of your head mm -hmm. so you're not trying to sort of think about 16 things to coordinate you, you're going okay I can, I, i've got a picture of that, what that looks like i'll go and do that mm -hmm. um and and it, it also made you commit to the shots because if you if you if you can hold your follow through for you know five seconds i like to sort of get people to hold it for which okay. is a bit over what you need to do sure but again you get to a complete the shot b you get to and it's something that Hogan, going back to what we talked about with Luther Hogan, Hogan used to hit, when he used to practice, not that many golf balls. He used to smoke a lot of cigarettes in between. Right. But it's, it'd, it'd hit a ball, he'd study the flight of it, and then sit down and have a cigarette. And so he'd process it. And now, really? that's not a healthy, he'd go through like, you know, 70 cigarettes in a practice session, allegedly. So, um, my God. Some of the old photos I've seen, you've got literally cigarette butts on the on the on the floor. I'm, I'm not recommending this by any means. No. Just, just you know, <laughs> but as a, but the process is the learning from it uh, rather than the actual behavior sure. was you know using that learning from the ball flight, putting it into a feel. Um for, for this chap, it was just all about just getting him out of his head, getting out the self-doubt, uh, and plugging in and saying, right, okay, what's your best swing look like? And he was, um, the year he won, he finished top 10. So it was like complete okay. transformation. Um, it was, who won it? It was, uh, Canazares won it. Uh, okay. it was one of his first events on tour. Mm -hmm. Um, the I think he uh, started, he blitzed it, like win second, second win, I think, you know, in his first four events. So crazy wow. start. Um, but that was, so that sort of set him off. And then he sort of made the next, I think, seven cuts. We, we worked together. Um, and then, <laughs> His swing coach got involved because I think he was getting a little bit jealous Thought I was teaching him swing stuff, which I definitely wasn't. Mm. And he wanted to come along. Um, suddenly it was like, and the player, so it was a, it was a bit of a bit sweet one, really, because it was like, I got him to get going again um, and didn't miss any cuts. So we didn't miss any cut. Every time I was there, we didn't miss a cut. Yeah. Um, and then swing coach comes and goes, oh, start tinkering with this because he wants to feel not left out. Um, and then, unfortunately, then missed a few cuts and, Back to uh, back to tour school. I got his card back, but it was like you could have avoided that. You know, you yeah. just keep. If you've got something which is working, don't muck around with it too much. That, I think that applies to many many things. It's all right to mm -hmm. innovate. It's all right to create, but 
uh, you see so many players try to reinvent when it's working. Um, yeah. And yeah, world number ones. You, I mean, you know, without naming, you know who they are. Sure. Um, they've gone, oh, I need more distance. Oh, I need this or I need that. I'm not going to win because I'm not, not in it far enough. Well, well, your world number one, you probably do it far enough because you're better than everyone else, according to yeah. the rankings. So you probably can win a major. Yeah. Um, and you see a lot of players go down that rabbit hole. And again, they, they, they tend to look for technical solutions rather mm -hmm. than go, well, actually, what was I doing when I was doing my best? And just let's model that. Let's yeah. map that. Um, yes, go for incremental games, but let's not throw out the uh, the core bit. So he was one. And then I, I guess, well, it's actually not someone I work with, but I had a funny moment working with that this, this same particular player, which is to do with mindset, which I I, I thought about. I was, I was writing some notes earlier on uh, okay. down. And it, it, it made me, it made me rereading re it, but I was completely bemused at the time. And, it, and it's in the headlines at the moment because of the, the Saudi uh, one of the one of the players being tempted for this sort of Saudi-backed uh, deal, but I was at the. It was at the. I don't know exactly where it was. It was the Madrid Open, mm -hmm. and I think it was two thousand and five. You can look up which which year he won it because it, it was that year. I think it was two thousand five, which was Ryder Cup year. I think would have been okay. Um, and we're standing. I'm at, standing at the bar, having a cup of coffee with this the player I'm working with, and uh, Ian Porter walks up who he'd known for years yeah um i don't know i don't know Ian. i've met him a couple of times but i don't know i know his brother uh, a little bit because he used to play on the same hertfordshire stuff that i was playing with okay uh, danny who's a few years older um but uh, ian walked up and my friend had sort of said, how's you know how's it going da, 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 da. uh all the normal polite conversation stuff that you'd have yeah 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 yeah, yeah no, no, good 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 yeah that's no, going great it's going great going great yeah so so I was sort of standing out sort of as, as just a little bit of a bystander to this. And Ian didn't ask any questions back. It was like, not interested. It was, it was like, it was, it was, it was really weird. So he goes, his reply was, uh, I'm whatever he was in the rankings. Um, I need to, I need a top three this week to uh, get into the top 50, to get into the WGC event, mm -hmm. um, to play at the, the, and this was about the same time that, um, he'd come out with the, the famous statement that's haunted him, but you know, when, when I'm playing my best, it's because it's going to be me and Tiger, which was uh, yeah. in the press for years ago. I don't, think, years ago. I don't think anyone's ever going to forget about that. that sort, about that sort of time. Um, but he basically, what, did this, it was like doing a soundbite. He goes, yeah, I'm here for the, it was like, I'm, I'm here for a top three. And then he didn't even say goodbye or anything. He literally just turned on his heels and walked off. <laughs> and I sort of, I sort of, I sort of that just happened it was just it was just weird yeah um other than i thought that's either really rude or it's brilliant um <laughs> and it turned out to be brilliant because he won that week wow um which then got him into the wgc event which was at the grove which is just down the road from me as well uh mm -hmm. over in Watford. um and i think came joint second so it's like you know he, he was so focused on what this is my goal it's somewhere he wasn't, you know, he, he watched, I, I don't even, he genuinely wasn't interested in what else was doing. It was there for him, which is as a player at those times, you, you, you have to be to, to some extent. I mean, you could have a little bit more humility and, uh, yeah. but, but certain players, that's where, how they work best. And, and, you know, clearly for Ian, that, that worked best that week. And, um, you know, that, that has always been his mindset. He doesn't need a, as he said, doesn't need a coach. Well, 
no, he's already been coached by his dad and his, the, the, the upbringing that he's had. And mm. yeah, a, a lot of that stuff has been from environment. Um, and he used to work, he was assistant pro for a very, very short time. I think he got the boot at, Ch- at Chessfield Lakes. Um, right. And a, a friend of mine, um, she's retired now, but a lady called Beverly Huke, um, who wrote the PGA, the original PGA uh, teaching system. Okay. Uh, she wrote back in, well, a, a long time, probably late, late nineties. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he, he worked, for, he worked for her for a little while. And back then he was going, I said, oh, I'm going to shoot, you know, I'm going to be the best player in the world. And, and he wasn't performing at that stage. You know, he hadn't done anything, but he, he had that mindset already. Yeah. Of, now, yeah, I, th- I think also you go back to these that with you know the days of his the famous trousers and stuff. It's like, well, if you put on the something fairly Larry saying, "Look at me," um, you've either you're either going to look really silly, yeah. or you've got to do the work to back it up. And um, you know he's done a massive amount of work to 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 back it up, and still works you know incredibly incredibly hard. Um, oh yeah, which. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. We're going to appreciate how much work you've got to put in. Yeah. But uh, yes, that was a fun, that, that was a funny one, which I just popped back into memory uh, after our chat the other day. I yeah. Thinking, yeah. Have you got any particular weird stories or weird things that have happened maybe on the golf course that you can remember? Whether, I don't know, we, we I remember Jonathan Yarwood said that, you know, he had someone that uh, hit a... Uh, hit a seagull mid-flight with his golf ball. I mean, can you can you remember any weird things that have happened over the years? Uh, well, well, I've, weird in a good way. I had a, a again. It's um. So I had a. I, I was I was playing. When was this? This was. I'd had a, a hole. Well, my was, I think it was my fourth hole in one. Um, mm-hmm. Playing with a bunch of guys at, um, at Denham. We were playing for a. For a reasonable amount of money um okay for us <laughs> yeah it wasn't a huge amount of money in, yeah but but for us it was like it was it was a decent amount of money sure and i'd, I'd finished off um i i something like a bird i remember holding an eight iron and it was like one of those it was slightly hidden green and I, I just i knew it was close and so i went like holding one birdie 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 finished to win all the money which was quite nice oh wow um, and then I was playing. Um, I was playing with a pal of mine um, who was in that match actually, and we're chatting. He goes, "Oh yeah, I have that hole in one. I never had a hole in one." And um, he's a, a trick shot guy now. I think uh, goes by the name of Tricky Rob. Um, okay. I can't remember his surname. That's a long time ago. And I worked with him, and we were chatting about it. And we were playing at West Middlesex, um, and we played a little bit of golf together, and. We got to, I can't remember which hole it was, but it was, again, we were using, you know, rescue clubs hadn't been invented back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I remember hitting a three iron at this, this hole, it's 190 odd yards, and I hit a three iron in to about 15 feet. We, we've been talking about, you know, it's moaning about the end of the hole, and I said, well, no, you hit it really good, it's it uh, better than me. Um, and uh, yeah, it's going to happen, yeah, something, yeah, you're just going to happen. Yes, right. Uh, and I said, well, let's do nearest the pin on this one. He goes, no, 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 I'm going to hold it. Okay. And I went, because I hold it. You know, I, I said, I'm so confident, I'll do I'll, 20 to 1, I'll hold it. And I went, that's no. stupid, Rob. That's, like, that's really bad odds for you. You know, I said, I'll take that. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. 
I'll just do a fiver on it, you know. So just they bloody hold it, it four iron, and he literally one bouncing in. No, and I was like, I, I, I can't believe it's happened, it's actually happened more than once. So I, that happened with him, yeah. And I'd relayed the story to um, a client of mine, we were playing at Rocket Hall, and we're, we're again joking about holding ones. There's a very short par three, um, it's about 110 yards, but down downhill maybe 115 yards downhill mm-hmm. and uh, we were playing there was three of us playing i've hit mine into um about 10 feet quite happy with it one of the other guys hit it and it was like it was online i thought oh i could go in oh it's got 10 feet short um the other guys hit it into inside mine and i said well you know if you're gonna run nearest the pin you're gonna have to hold it uh john and uh <laughs> he knocked it in pitched no. it past spun it back in at 16 handicapper Six feet back in, so I so said, We've got to take a photo of this. Uh, now, uh, I won't say who he works for because they, they might look him up, but uh, he, he was due to be uh working from home, okay, uh, during this uh thing, um, or on a course. He wasn't a course, uh, so I said, Look, if you're gonna post this on social media, you're gonna have to just, just hang back a couple of days yeah. and make sure it's a sunny day like it is now, um. And we, we talk about that quite regularly, actually, because it's still a client of mine now. That's quite a few years ago. Um, because you can talk yourself into stuff, but yeah. not in a sort of Pollyanna way where you don't really believe it. You have to go, right, I'm really... And he might, you know, Jason Day, I'm Jason, I'm a, it's, it's an old phrase, but I remember Jason Day saying, it's like, aim small, miss small. Right. You know, if you make your target small enough, the miss is going to be small. So if you aim to try and hold a chip, um, you're, the likelihood is you've probably got a tap in. Yeah. If you're aiming for the four foot, three foot circle, it's, it's such a vague target that you actually might end up in six feet. And then your conversion rate at six feet is only going to be, you know, 50, 60 percent. Sure. Um, but if you aim to hold it, you, you, you quite often go, you know, it's weird. You hit it to three inches and you're disappointed which slightly, which is strange. But you then sort of tap it in um, and get over that pretty quickly. Um, but mad. Yeah. So that, that tries and then another client actually. Um, at Rocket Hall as well, the second is over water. Um, his eyesight's not great. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and he basically hit a five iron, you know, right at the, right at the flag. And it took a hard spin back and left and, uh, and in. And again, you know, that was his first hole in one. And I was sort of there for that as well, which was wow, which was kind of kind of fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, not, nothing really. I, th- I was saying, that, I think the, 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 the sort of positive ones rather than, um, uh, you know, Weird, 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 weird. Uh, I, I mean, mean still some fantastic. I think those are fairly uh, weird because the odds on that are fairly small, aren't they? I mean, still some fantastic stories. The the odds of someone having a hole in one, and then at the same time, you know, even just being able yeah. to see someone have a hole in one is is still you know very slim odds. So the fact that you've been there for quite a few yeah. different ones is it must have been quite strange. But I mean, yeah. you you've been so generous with your time today. We've just come up to over an hour now, and. Um, oh wow okay i think uh you've got some volume issues over there we normally do a rapid eight ball quick fire question so i don't know if you can still hear me pretty well to be able to do quick eight fire rapid questions at all yeah if you're you're okay looking at my ear i'll put my ear to the side of the phone so it doesn't look so good but yeah yeah, no problem. Fire away. So we're, we're going to do quick uh, eight rapid fire questions. This is what we do with every uh, person that comes on the podcast. So I just want you to do your your ni- nice deep breath in NLP, open your mind, 
and uh, I'm going to ask you a quick question. So just try and give a quick rapid fire if you can hear them. So here's question one. You come home to find that your house is on fire. What item do you grab? Uh, well, it's, it's going to be, well, it'll be my putter, if it's, if it's, if it, which is normally set somewhere where I go and practice. A putter. Okay, no worries. You've, you've got one food that you have to eat for the rest of your life. What would it be? Uh, cheese. Cheese. <laughs> uh, if you had one golf club that you could play with on a golf course for 18 holes, which club would it be? Oh, easy. Uh, six iron. I've done that a, a lot. Okay. Um, who's the most famous person you've ever spent time with or met? Uh, oh, okay. Um, Lord Botham would be up there. Um, Jeffrey Archer would be another one. Piers Morgan would be another one. Um, oh, wow. Uh, I taught Danny from McFly. Okay. Now on the, uh, the voice. Um, who else we have? Had Audley Harrison used to come into our studio. Martin Kemp. Oh my uh, God. Oh, a whole bunch of others. But yeah, wow. one or two. You, you, you've been leaving me short on those ones. We'll have to come back on a podcast another time for those ones, my friend. Um, next question. Uh, if you could pick a song to walk out to on the tee every time you play, which song would it be? Oh, um, well, I, well, actually, my, my boys have, have dug it out of my old collection and, and keep playing it. Um, Final Countdown Europe, <laughs> which is not oh, a great song, but it's that's, fun. That's terrible. <laughs> um, I know, I know. You're, you're stuck on a desert island. Who do you take with you? Oh, well, I have to take my wife, obviously. 100%. Um, if you could bring one musician <laughs> back from the dead, who would it be? Uh, who would it be? Um, oh, uh, JJ Kale. That's an interesting one. I feel terrible that I don't know who that is because uh, I love my music. So we'll have okay. to come back to that one. Um, what's them? What's your most common yep. nickname? Last question. Common nickname? Uh, Marky. That's it. That's uh... Marky. Nice one. It depends. One. On, it's either Marky or Arnie, but uh, it's, uh, my, my brother's Arnie and my, I tend to be Marky. Nice. Nice. Mark, you've been amazing with your time. I know we've had some uh, volume issues today, but um, just before we go, uh, where can everybody find you if they need some some mindset work, whether as a tour player listening or maybe just an average person that's just struggling with something? Where where can they find you online or social yeah, media? Yeah, uh, the be- yeah, best or be- best way just uh, ping me an email to uh, info at markarnoldgolf.com. Um, that's the best way, and I can then um, with with some details of what what's going on, and I can uh, uh, respond and and get on the phone call and and find out. Um, you know, typically once if it's if it's something uh, so i've been referred luckily over the years um i've got a number of golf pros i work with who refer people who are really struggling so if it's something like yips and stuff like that um we've i've done chipping yips full swing yips and bunkers and you know, putting everything that's typically one session that's uh, that's one session deal okay um if someone's looking just to get an overview for their game um obviously a little bit more in depth but yeah just ping me an email and um yeah, have a chat and uh, we'll figure out whether it's whether it's right for for you and right you know and, and it, it right for me and works it, and works but um that sounds yeah, great. generally it's it does so that sounds brilliant mark thanks so much for your time and uh looking forward to having another chat very soon fantastic thanks buddy appreciate it cheers my friend i'll see you soon yeah
So there we go. What a wonderful podcast chat with Mark Arnold. Mark, again, thanks so much for your time. Really generous of you to give an hour away to come and uh, join us on the podcast and just bring us some of your fun and, and very interesting stories about your life within the golf industry. So excited to get you back on board again soon. and I'm sure we can have some great chats in the future. So for those of you that potentially might know someone that wants to come on the podcast or you think they could be really interesting to come on the podcast, maybe they've got some fantastic stories to be able to tell. And again, about podcasts, this is really about us bringing you, not about just bringing great content, it's making sure that you've got something to take away. And whether you use it on the golf course or you use it in everyday life, or maybe you just needed to kind of have a bit of a, a cheer up and you just wanted something to you know put a smile on your face for the day that's exactly what we're here for at the golf bubble and uh, you know I'm pretty sure we could bring you plenty more funny and strange stories so again guys I'll be seeing you on the other side thanks so much for joining in and again if you want to find me online you can find us on Ben Harvey Golf Performance and also if you're looking to get some mindset advice then definitely get in touch with Mark Arnold I'm sure you'll be able to find Mark online through Google and you could be able to have a chat with him. And obviously at the end of the podcast there, he's put out some of his details of how you can get in touch. Maybe you just want to play some better golf or you might be a tour player looking to just get some extra information to help you get through to that next level. But guys, thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you on the next episode. Have a good one.